Hello there and a very warm welcome to Racing Only Better, a special edition of 10 races from Doncaster and the Curra on Sunday. Obviously, with the sad news of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, um, just like to say it's a sad time, obviously, universally. And on behalf of everyone at Beth Fair, I'd like to express our condolences to the royal family and beyond. Obviously, she touched so many lives. She was a great friend to racing. And I suppose seeing her cheer home estimate in the Ascot Gold Cup in 2013 will live long in my memory anyway. The unbridled joy that she seemed to display that day was a, a side to her that um, not many people got to see, but we got to see it that day uh, for sure. Kevin, and we'll deal with this in more detail, obviously, and wade in on Monday when we have more more uh, time to let this breathe. But uh, um, your thoughts, just initial thoughts on, on, on the passing of Queen Elizabeth? Yeah, sure. It's been, it's been very surreal being over here now, obviously, with, with the announcement. there And I was at Suddle at the time and it all kind of happened quite quickly. The meeting was called off and everyone dispersed and it was just very sombre. Um, she looked a 96-year-old woman, wonderful life. Um, as you say, touched so many lives along the way and was a great friend to racing. Um, it's very sad. It, it was inevitable, as it is for all of us. Um, but there's much, much to celebrate and appreciate, I suppose. Um, if what all she did in her life, and that's um, that's I it. Think, yeah, I think that's true. I, I think the morning will turn to a celebration eventually, Dan. Um, and rightly so. Yeah, I suppose the racing aspect is quite a key one for us as well, isn't it? That that, that clip you mentioned with estimate, it's a big loss because she was a, a massive backer of racing. Um, and yeah, just sad. Every death is sad, but when it's such a public figure who everybody was familiar with, I mean. My parents are old. She's she outlived them by a mile. She's she was on the throne for basically their entire lives. So, yeah, an unbelievable innings, as they say. And yeah, many I'm sure many are happy memories for those that knew her, families and friends, and people further than that. You've seen the scenes at Buckingham Palace over the last couple of days as well. Yeah, yeah. TC, anything to add to that? Oh, just just a remarkable life of duty, isn't it? I mean, she was thrown into that, thrown into the role very very early in her formative years, and. You know, she's just a. That's you know, she's known known nothing different really. And like to go from in her twenties to ninety six, you know, doing that role and just putting, you know, putting yourself second to to a degree is and not being able to speak your mind on matters. It's a life of you know, a, a really like a regiment, isn't it? So yeah, I mean, you know, like it's very sad. Very sad. So we will kick on, guys, and we'll start with the one thirty five in Doncaster, the Flying Childers Stakes, and the. Uh, Interestingly, for two-year-olds, it's a group two over five furlongs and two fillies ahead the market here. The Platinum Queen, who was runner-up to Highfield Princess and the Nuntorp, an absolute cracking run from her. Kevin, I know you put her up that day. She's 13 to eight favoured along with the Malcolm winner, um, Trillium. Eight runners here, so the, the dead eight for each way punters. Hopefully they all stay in. TC, uh, are you finding any value outside the top two in the market? It's difficult, isn't it? Because obviously the... The, the two you mentioned, the two at the top of the market, Platinum and Queen and the impressive Malcolm winner, Trillium, um, they take out a massive chunk of the market. And I think you'll be hard-pressed to chuck them out of the frame. So if you're having an each-way bet, then you maybe only got one place going for you. I mean, the obvious one is Crispy Cat. And, you know, he's not that far off him on, on his best form. And his best form has come over five furlongs in that controversial Norfolk state. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's got an each-way squeak, but... I think it's, as the betting suggests, I think it literally is a coin toss between the top two in the market. And I like 
trillium of, of their pair. I mean, that the Molcom is normally quite a modest group three, but this year it had real depth. So, um, yeah, I'd probably side with Trillium. Just one point of order, though, on the ground. Um, it, it, they've had 10 mil uh, on... They had 10 mil... On, we're recording this on Friday. Uh, they had 10 mil on Thursday in total, and they're now calling it good to soft, soft in places. But given they were calling it good to soft on Thursday when the time suggested it was good to firm, I'm probably working on the basis of good ground as we, as we stand. Right, OK. Um Kevin, like I said there, the Platinum Queen, you put her up in the in the Nuntorp, and she did run a, an excellent race, but she really bumped into one in Highfield Princess affiliate that's just on the massive improve. Are you siding with her again here? Yeah, I think I have to bear. Like I thought she ran an absolute belter in the Nuntorp. Um, her inexperience was evident there when she initially came under pressure. Like she had she had a fair old wobble, like uh, and wondered, but she was going on again at the line, just Highfield Princess. Um, got the better of her but you know back down into her own age group now herself and Trillium ran on the same day of course at Goodwood and they both ran very strong times with, with the Platinum Queen coming out marginally better having having made the running uh, whereas Trillium had, was ridden with a bit of patience to to register that time and um, yeah look I, I think I actually met a couple of people that are involved in her um, here at Doncaster yesterday and you know, I think they were slightly concerned about the, the ground. They obviously want it as quick as possible for her, really. And looking at the forecast here, you know, there are thunderclouds knocking around here and there, there will be some more showers, possibly. But um, I think it's to be largely dry thereafter. So hopefully by the time we get to Sunday, um, as TC alludes to, there's some kind of disagreement about the ground, but it doesn't seem too bad as long as it's good or better, which it really should be. I'd like to think she'd jump out, make the run, and uh, and be very difficult to catch. So it's one each so far, Dan. Which of these are you coming down the side of, or have you found a bit of value each way, value outside of the head of the market? No, I struggle. I think if it's one of those races where either of the first two or both the first two give the run in, they'll finish first and second. Um, but I'll just favour slightly the prices, but also a bit of a track thing. I think it's slightly different trying to blaze your way through a race at York or a race at Goodwood, as the Platinum Queen has done to blazing your way at Doncaster where things can change later on. thought Trillium might be able to pick her, pick her up later on. I, I, I maybe also add into the mix. She'd been very tough and hardy, but it was a massive effort for a young horse, wasn't it? And she's not had a, she's not had a huge break. So yeah, I was tentatively favoring in a tight matchup, uh, the second five Trillium. Okay. Trillium for, for Kevin and Dan there in the opener. Oh, I'm the platinum queen. Or sorry. Um, Tony and Dan in the opener in Doncaster. Uh, onto the 210, it's the Portland Handicap uh, over an extended five furlongs. When the deal is done for Roger Teal, who won this back in uh, 2019 with Oxted, is your favourite of five to one. He's been really strong at that as well. Makana is a seven to one chance. Chipstead is eight. Ten Bergerac, Call Me Ginger is 10. 12 Count Dorsey and Dakota Gold, just another bottle, also a 12 to 1 chance. We know all these horses. They're all well exposed at this stage. Kevin, what have you come down on here? Yeah, I flipped around a bit in this race, Baron. I've come down on Dusky Lord um, down near the bottom. I'm not sure if, if Stall 21 is the place to be or not. If, if mixed messages there from the first from the first day of the meeting here on Thursday, but I'll take my chance with a man away. He's a little bit less exposed than some of these four-year-old and 
look, he's progressed, and I thought his last run at Goodwood suggested that he can he can still win off this this sort of mark. Um, he was a while waiting for open running. It was um, you know, it was a, it was his first go at six furlongs for quite some time, and um, it, it just didn't pan ideally for him. I think this five and a half would be pretty much ideal for him. Um, again, I think as long as the grounds on the, on the better side are good, you'd be happy. And yeah, I could just see him getting in the mix, hopefully, Bear, at uh, 16 to 1 or so. Yeah, dusky Lord for David Egan, Roger Very. And Dan, I know that's a horse that you've uh, you taught a bit of in this race as well. Yeah, that's spot on. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, certainly at the price as they stand, I think I liked two initially. McEnar, who's been holding his foot, and I'll back both at these prices. If you're backing him at sevens and sixteens, don't mind that at all. McEnar at sevens, who's just run his race every single time this season, seventh in his Stewards Cup. This isn't so strong and I wonder this is a bit of a cliche with this race but it's an intermediate distance it's five and a half that's sort of it's that's its USP um, and that might be a bit of a Goldilocks for for McEnar because over six he didn't quite get home in the Stewards Cup I think this might be absolutely perfect for him he'll be covered up for a late run hopefully so he's he's maybe picked number one but Dusky Lord was definitely a close second 16's about a horse who's basically in ripping form at the minute and would have gone close uh, Goodwood, as Kev says, uh, had Buick not held him in under such a good ride on the winner, I think he might have been, uh, he might have taken a, a bit of beating there. So, yeah, he'd be hit those two for me, definitely against the field in a hot race, obviously. Okay, Dan. And Tony, obviously, your favourite is when the deal is done. Uh, Roger Teal, like I said, won this a couple of years ago with Oxford. Could this potentially, the penny look to have dropped with this horse in Ascot, could he potentially be a, a group horse in, in a handicap? It might be uh, stretching it. I mean, he has gone up £10 to a mark of 100 Um, So they've obviously hit him hard for that Ascot run, but it was a very impressive performance. But, you know, he did start the season off a mark of 99 So he's effectively only a pound higher than the start of the season. And he obviously comes here in great form. So fully see why he's five to one. Um, I think we're going to do a podcast first here, a sprint handicap where we're all going to tip a 16 to 1, the same 16 to 1 chance. Anyway. <laughs> uh, Dusky Lord is, like I said, I think 16 to 1, five places with a sportsbook, I think is is very big. I can see this horse going off maybe a shade of single figures. Uh, I, you know, he's he's one of the most likely races in the field. Four-year-old having his 12th start in form. Same mark as when just touched off by Lord Ridderville at Goodwood in July. Unlucky last time. And you mentioned the you're not you're not happy about maybe you're not happy about the draw, Kev. I mean, I actually love his draw in 21. If you look at the look at what's around him, you've got Atalanta's boy in 18, you've got intrinsic bond, uh, bond in 19, you've got Bergerac in 22, you've got the Fab in 20, uh, and three of those are forward goers. So he's gonna get dragged into the race as well, hopefully, and hopefully they will be on the right side. But there's definitely loads of pace around him. Um yeah, he's he's sixteen to one at the moment when we're recording this on on first uh, Friday afternoon. I can see him going off about nine ten to one. Great stuff! Yeah, that is a podcast first in the sprint handicap that all three of the lads have come down on the same horse. That's Dusky Lord for David Egan and Roger Varian. Okay, SP nine to one unplaced. <laughs> Bound to happen. That's it. it. Stay positive, Dan. Stay positive. <laughs> Going at sixties, lay up at nine. Have a have a free seven <laughs> a nine to one chance, Dan. Job done. Aye, aye. That's the joy of the exchange, Dan. There you have it in the in a nut. Uh, the 245 is the Doncaster Cup, uh, two miles, two furlongs. And we have a really short price favourite here. Obviously, Trushan, one to three, 11 to two, Coltrane. Get Shirty is six, and it's 16 to one. Barter, 
are eight runners here. So there could be a little bit of each way <laughs> value. The dead eight at the moment, although I'm sure with Trushan, a lot of our customers on the sports book will be lengthening their odds. That's where you can back a horse to win by uh, a distance uh, of a length, two lengths, three lengths or four lengths. And um, watch out for that on the sports book. But Tony, is there a bit of each way value here against the favourite? Yeah, I, I I broke a column on Thursday for what's what was going to be Friday's meeting, and I tipped Cole Train up at five to one each way. Now he's now eleven to two because a lot of money's come for Trushan. Um, that being because obviously the, the rains come and it's officially, like I said, good soft soft in places. So obviously Trushan's going to take a lot of beating. But I look down that field, um, and I think Cole Train is by far the best uh, of, of the rest there. Um, like I said, if you he was really impressive at Sandown, win by 10 lengths. Um, obviously, good Royal Ascot win over two mile four as well. Um, he made a really good move at Goodwood. Um, he, it was an overhead shot that they saw. He was he was really coming to that. He was going best at one point. I thought that three out, and he traded at three to one in running at that. And obviously, he didn't uh, follow through with his effort there, but he's still a really good effort. Um, and then the jury's out whether he was wooden badly or beaten by a very, very progressive horse in quick form at York last time where he set off the pace. Um, if he runs his race, he'll, I think he'll finish second. Uh, and if Trujan is not on his A game, then, you know, he's got a fair shot of doing it. Obviously, with the dead eight, there might be a non-runner. But even if I'm taking 11 to 2, 1, 2, quarter of the odds, I'm quite happy with that. So Coltrane each way, 11 to 2, uh, 5 to 1 or 11 to 2 for me. Right, okay, that works out about evens of place, a little over evens of place. And he's a five to four chance without true Shan in the in the without market, which will obviously be popular as well. Dan, we're not having the willy won't he run true Shan saga that has, has been the, the story of the season, but can you see anything to beat him here? Is he a wordy favor? Obviously a wordy favor, but is he opposable at all? Could you take him on the exchange? I don't really want to take him on now. This is the day when he'll run, isn't it? It seems because even if the ground is slightly quicker than they've been saying over the, on the first day, they'll still go off the official going, I'm sure. And there is there is smatterings of rain forecast between now and then. So they, I mean, it's only like thirty percent chance, but it's pretty much a constant that from what I could see on the forecast I looked at. So. I believe it's chucking down in York as we speak on Friday afternoon. A former colleague has just put that up on Twitter. So read into that what you will. Uh, but yeah, if he runs, I just think he beats them. He's a better. This is a sort of a Linton's yard race, odds race in some ways because of Doncaster's a track where you can get strung out fields. And if he if he's on his A game, I just think he's better than these, a lot better than these. And smashing run to say that was the first time he'd encountered ground like that at Goodwood. Kev, um, Island Brave won the Beffer Exchange Oldborough Cup last Saturday in Haydock on <laughs> widely contrasting ground. See any chance in this at all without the favourite or without the top two in the market? Yeah, you'd want to take out the Fav to give him a chance, I'd say, Bar. Um, look, Fav's probably going to go and win, isn't he? Um, if, if you wanted to get involved in each way without market, it'd be get shirty for me. Um, he's been brilliant this season, in fairness to him. He's won a bunch of big pots in really tough races, and he ran a stormer in the E-bar last time. Very difficult race to get into from off the pace, and he kind of blew the start, and it was just a mess to only be beaten three and a quarter lengths off a mark of 110. I thought it was a big effort. So, um, yeah, getting into improper group company now, or uh, getting back to, once upon a time in France, he was, he was doing quite well, but 
Um, he seems to be better than ever at the minute. And yeah, I could see him maybe being the one to get closest to Trushan, who is going to be very tough to beat. Yeah, he's a six to four chance in the without betting at the moment. So Kevin Gunford gets shirty in the without market. TC putting up Coltrane at 11 to two each way, or maybe a five to four in the without market. On to our third race we're going to talk about from Doncaster at 320. It's the Park Stakes. It's a group two for two year old or for three year olds and over, over seven furlongs. Kinross who won the York Stakes, the City of York Stakes under Frankie Dettori last time out, is your favourite in here of 15 to 8. Garris, who was third to Highfield Princess in the in the um, Primaris de Geese, is 7 to 2. It's 5 to 1, Sacred Asso Hill, 6 to 1, double or bubble 8, 9 Jumbie, and it's 16 bar them at the top of the market. TC, I'll start with you here. Did you eke out a bit of value against the favourite here, Kinross? Yeah, um, I backed New Energy at... Um at 14s uh, before the, the meeting got cancelled. Um, uh, the sports book must have got wind of that because they now have linked from the horse to 16s. So, yeah, new energy at 16s is, I think, is a, a cracking bet. I'll be backing him win only on the exchange and I'll be backing him each way with a sports book at 16s as well. In fact, I'd back him at 10 to 1 uh, upwards uh, each way. Uh, yeah, I think he's an absolute cracking bet. There's one proviso is, as Kevin pointed out, the Sheila Sheila Lavery form would would really kind of like concern you. Fifty nine days without a winner. Um, uh, sorry, fifty nine. Yeah, fifty nine days without a winner. A hundred runners or vice versa, whatever. Um, I can't really remember what way went. Hundred day, hundred days. Yeah, hundred days. Fifty nine. But you know, she has in the in some of her recent runners have run run to form and, and run above expectations. They've all been massive prices. I think only one has been in single figures. But so yeah, that's a that's an obvious concern. But I me mean, form wise, sixteen to one's an insult. I mean, second in the uh, Irish two thousand guineas, travelled like a storm until weakening uh, furlong out in the St James's Paddy Stakes, still not beaten far. Didn't get the run of the race in the Prigion Pratt at a vital moment uh, when she was uh, when he was trying to make his run. Stayed on really well there. Go and have a look at the video in front Gallop and you'll see that. Um, yeah, providing the stable form isn't isn't a stopper. Uh, new energy at 16 to 1 or like I said, 10, 12 to 1 plus. I think it's probably the, uh, the bet of Sunday to me. Right, okay. TC, strong shout for new energy, Dan. Uh, Ushin Orr takes the ride there. He's been he's been an interesting, he's had a good season so far in his, his debut season in the UK, uh, riding primarily for Richard Faye. And he's a, he's a jockey booking that kind of catches the eye as well for new energy. Yeah, I suppose he, he was with Dermot, wasn't he? And maybe his Dermot sort of winding down, going to Fahey, which has been a pretty preeminent stable in, in Britain for a good while now. was a good move for him. Um and yeah, he's, he's he's been riding plenty of winners, picking up outside rides. He's having a good time with things, um, but that all gets back to the same point for me that um, new energy is overpriced. I totally agree with Tony with this horse. Um, that a three-year-old who still should have more to offer. I like the break angle they've given him. What is it? Nine weeks off um, since we saw him in France, where he's he was up against some of the best three-year-olds around um, Tenebris and won the race. Um, and he wasn't even beaten that far, beating four lengths in a bit of a bunch finish, similar scenario in the St. James's palace. Um, so I'm backing him, but I do want to just highlight a tactical thing that I don't see any pace here bar Misty Gray. And it's not necessarily a front runner's paradise. It's probably quite the opposite Doncaster, but there's such a marked um, pace map pointed towards Misty Gray getting a soft lead. Like he had a, uh, Goodwood the other day last last Sunday that I think it might happen again so I'm going to back the pair of them Holly's ace from the front as we know Gareth for me is a sprinter 
And I just think we know where we stand with the rest of them. I think I think a really good tactical ride might be enough for Misty Gray, but I do think New Energy is, is overpriced on his on his range of form, really. Three or four runs that I like him on. Excellent. Okay, 16 to 1 chance. New Energy for Dan as well with Misty Gray thrown in there also. Kevin, no love whatsoever for Kinross at the head of the market of 15 to 8. Are we going to get the treble up for the second time this podcast and all three you go for New Energy? No, I do like new energy now, and I, you know, I can see the case, and he's definitely overpriced. But I, I am just terrified of the stable form there at the minute. Um, you, you'd really like to see a little bit more signs of revival there for me. But look, you're getting plenty of compensation in the price, so I won't knock it too much. Um, Jumby was the one I liked. Um, we're getting compensation in his price as well because if he if he was coming here off the back of his Group Two win at Newbury. Um, he'd be shorter than he is now, I think. Um, blew out a little bit behind Kinross, but look, too bad to be true. Um, generally, like a, you can set your watch by this horse. Um, so I'm hoping he can quickly bounce back in you know, course and distance. That, that should suit really well. Um, look, he has a penalty to carry for his trouble. That'll make it tricky in, in what's a, a strong race. But I think on his best day, he'd be capable of, of competing despite the penalty. Right, okay, so for Kevin Jumby, New Energy, a strong positive for, for TC and Dan as well, and Dan also puts Misty Gray in there. On to our fifth and final race that we're going to talk about in Doncaster at 3.55. It's the Kazoo St. Ledger over a mile six. Uh, nine go to post here. New London, your favourite, a five to six on the Betfair Sportsbook at the moment. It's four to one Elder, Eldar Alderoff. Haskoy, who was supplemented at a cost of 50 grand by Connections, the filly for Rafe Beckett is 13 to 2, the same price as who you mal, Emily Dickinson, 12, 14 French claim, and it's 20 to 1 bar. Um, Dan, I'll start with you here. It, it, it looks a tricky enough sort of race, but the favours obviously bar that, that blob that he had in Chester uh, hasn't done much wrong. And he could be a horse heading in the right directions for Connections that won it last year, won this race last year with Hurricane Lane. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt that they've thought a lot of this horse from the start. The fact he went a 4-11 to to beat changing the guard at Chester tells you that. As you say, Baz, that's his one off-colour day so far, but he was still an inexperienced horse around a tricky track. But it's just price. It's just, he's he's priced up as if it's basically, it's near enough a coin toss, he wins or the field wins. And I'd be more inclined to back something each way against him. I think Huya Mal is really solid. Um I like the way he shaped at Goodwood when the market pretty much told you that he wasn't 100%, I didn't think. I thought he, he went in the betting like he'd tighten up for the run. And I thought he shaped that way. He was a big danger for a long way. Went short in running. I think he was 2.22 in running on the exchange uh, before he, he faded late on. I liked how New London did it, coming around the outer and looking a horse who isn't short of stamina. But this will be a proper test of stamina. And just not being... I don't want to be entirely windy, but... I do think Emily Dickinson's a runner as well because she's just crying out for a long home straight where she can wind up, take some riding, and she, she maybe lacks a bit of quality for a classic winner because she doesn't travel that well. But the way she came home at Goodwood after taking an age to get going was was indicative of me to to me of a horse that long home straight like Doncaster and probably being out of the fire of the race, she might be able to pick up some valuable pieces. So I'll, I'll back those two each way against the five. It's a bit, bit, bit thievy, but... I'm happy with it. <laughs> burgle, burgle, burgle from Barbara. Indeed, yeah. Happy days. Okay, TC, how are you viewing this race, the, the St. Ledger? 
He's got the burglar's T-shirt on as well, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> You've got, you got, you got your swag pack in the corner. Just him a mask off. Over that, or a, over that or a set of onions. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I put up Giovaletto at, at 33 to 1 on Monday, and I, I'm I'm sticking with that. And now, he obviously, he's got a lot to find. He's only rated 104, and... But you know, you know the, the form horses are only 116, 115, so he doesn't have too much to find. And just have a look at his form trajectories since he's been stepped up to mile six. He's gone from 88 uh, to 92 to 97. He's 104 now. If he keeps on that progression, he's going to be on the coattails of these. And um, yeah, I, I I really like him. The one worry I've got is uh, he wouldn't want much more rain. Um, it, it was officially soft at Haydock. Um, when he finished, when he should have really won the race, he was wandered around a bit. And but Timeform called it good there. And I'm told this by the state uh, by someone in the stable that they do think he wants decent ground. So any more rain would be a negative. But uh, yeah, he was 33. He's going to be 25 to one plus on the exchange. Uh, yeah, I, I'm more than willing to take my chance with a horse with that kind of profile. He hasn't got the traditional ledger winning profile of group race form. Uh, converting into a classic win, but no, I quite like him. Just, uh, I agree with uh, about New London being a little bit too short. Um, I had a chat with Ryan. We were both in the car on, on not together, but we were both in the car on Monday night. So we had a chat about the ledger and he was, um, he was quite complimentary about Haskell. He, he, he thought New London was very much the one to chin in this, but he said he was really impressed by Haskell at, um, uh, at York when he, when she did a lot wrong went up the far rail on her own and still got the job done there. And obviously Ryan's quite close with the Judmont team. And I'm just wondering, he didn't, I didn't go into it with any great detail, but I'm just wondering whether he suggested maybe in a very weak ledger, which it is, whether they chance their arm for 50 grand and whether he had an input into that. But from what, from speaking to me about it, he, you know, he thinks if one horse could beat New London, it's um, most likely going to be Haskell. Yeah, there's three fillies in the field, Kevin. Obviously, Dan's gone for Wonderman and Emily Dickinson, but Haskoy, like only a 13 to 2 chance now. And, you know, for, for a trainer who won this race with a filly back in 2015 in simple verse, uh, Rafe Beckett, like I'm sure they're not chucking away 50 grand. Can you see one of the fillies winning this? Yeah, it's a very punchy move now. Fair play to them for having a go. And um, she looked good luck to them. Um, she's not the one I like. Um, I prefer Emily, Emily Dickinson. Um, Dan has, has outlined some of the reasons why she's just a very dour sayer and she she was made look very boatish and slow at Goodwood but I think that track can do that to to fillies like her um, Don Caster will, will be much more her bag and like I suspect her connections might have been tempted to put a pair of cheek pieces on her um, after that but they haven't so I, you know, I, I take some minor encouragement from that. Um, I, like, I think she'll really relish the straight, as Dan mentioned. And I, I think she's a capable filly. You know, she's um, out of pedigree corner. She's uh, always an interesting one in pedigree. She's out of uh, Chiquita, that, that well, well-renowned well hedge lover um, who, who famously jumped into one at San Clu in an Oaks trial there <laughs> before uh, before going on to be the, the most expensive mayor ever sold in Ireland I think of one it made 8 million quid um, back in the day um, so yeah if she could throw a classic winner that'd be that'd be nice a uh, nice payoff but um, yeah look realistically she's probably more of a shot to, to run on into the frame you know I'm sure there will be without markets and obviously each way markets with the nine runners but I could see her outrunning her price and um, hopefully hitting the line hard and getting in the mix 
Great. So Emily Dickinson for both Kev and Dan and Giovaletto for TC. He put it up in his column, the must read column on, on Monday. So um, watch out for those in the leisure. We're going to switch to the current now. It's Irish Champions Weekend. And um, the first race we're going to cover, first of five, is the 150. It's the Blanford Stakes. It's a group two for Phillies and Mares. Last year's winner, Le Petit Coco, is your six to four favourite at the moment. Above the curve is one of four for Joseph O'Brien. He's a uh, a four to one chance, six to one insinuendo. Rumbles of Thunder is eight and it's 12 bar. Kevin, I'll start with you here. 11 of the 13 runners are at four stables. Um, supply 11 of the 13 runners here. And like I said, four for Joseph O'Brien above the curve with Ryan Moore, an interesting proposition. Just before yeah, we start, Kev, uh, what's the what's what do we think the ground's going to be? Um, but soft, maybe with a forecast, yeah, it's going to be softer. It's, soft it's side soft. of God, they've had an awful lot of rain at both tracks leading into this weekend, haven't been lashing water onto it for ages. Um, so they've got a little bit unlucky, uh, especially at Leopardstown, which seemed to catch every drop of rain that was in Ireland um, in the last week. They, they seem to have got it. So I'd be, and there's more coming um, Sunday as well, I think. So the Cura, I suspect, is going to be soft, closer to soft than good, um, I suspect. Um, and... Above the curve is interesting, Barr. Look, she won a group one last time with Longchamp. It was probably a bit of a touch. It wasn't the maybe the strongest group one. Um, she went there rather than the Oaks, and, and it worked out. Um, and she had a little setback thereafter. That's why she hasn't been seen. And look, I'm sure whatever she does here, she'll step up from. Um, she'd be one, I suspect, to to end up on the, the ARC card there for the Prix de l'Opera after this. Um, and look, hopefully she'll run well, but it won't be all about this day with her, that's for sure. Uh, Le Petit Coco is a mare I really like, uh, Philly, I should say. Um, and look, but her price sums her up and just one of her big price, Barrett. I thought didn't have much to do, it was interesting. Um, she clearly kind of came from nowhere all of a sudden after two quite moderate runs. She came to life at Nace and won, and she's continued to progress since. And I, I thought it was a big run at Goran last time. Um, look, anyone that, that pays, has been paying attention to Goran Park this, this year knows that in particular, it, it can often be the case there, but this year in particular, it's just been extremely difficult to come from off the pace there. And um, I think everyone went in with their eyes open with this filly going in there because that's just her style. She like she she takes a little bit of time to warm up and she finished off really well and just failed to get up. And it, it was a big run from off the pace. Now, everything else involved in the finish was bang up there all the way. Um, I thought it was a big run now. And this this stiffer course and distance will suit her well. Um, I suspect she'll be hitting the line hard. Look, it's a big step up in class. She's rated 98, but she's priced accordingly. And it just wouldn't surprise me now if she outran if she outran that price and, and ran a nice race. So fourteen to one in the colours of JP McManus for Joseph O'Brien. Declan McDonough in the plate there didn't have much to do. Could be worth uh, each way bet at around the fourteen to one mark according to Kevin. Dan Le Petit Coco was just so tough in this last year. Wore down love to beat her a short head. It was a, a good old ding dong um up the straight in the Curra. Is is she a worthy favourite here again? Oh, unquestionably, yeah. I mean, conditions. She, I say she she needs itself. So that's not necessarily true, but she's extremely effective in the mud, isn't she? And you just look at the caliber of her form. There are a few, maybe horses in here. There are horses that are open to improvement. Kev mentioned one of them. We mentioned, in fact, he mentioned both of Joseph's are two that look open to more improvement. But she's the one giving weight away, admittedly, who sets that standard. I'm sort of wondering what price would Tuesday be if she ran in this race. What price would Alpinista be? 
they'd definitely be shorter than six to four. And she's just very solid. When was the last time she ran a bad race? I'm I'm confident she'll run to her rating, in which case something has got to improve, maybe five or six to get to her. Right. Okay. TC, Dan's with the favourite. Kevin taking a swing. At, it didn't have much to do. The um, Joseph, one of the four Joseph O'Brien horses. What do you make of it? Uh, I read a bet uh, when I looked at this earlier. Uh, I backed Rumbles of Thunder eight to one. Um, I backed him each way, uh, her each way. Um, yeah. So Paddy Toomey, second string. Um, and he actually owns this filly as well. So that's probably why he's coming here. He's not worried about, you know, spoiling the favourite if he owns it. Um, yeah, I, I really like this filly. She had deep ground form in France. Um, one on soft ground earlier in the season and she put up a career best at court last time over a mile four and you know that wasn't a Mickey Mouse race I mean the, the second went into that the, she beat the second pointless and the second came in there off the back of a group one placed effort um, obviously stepped down in trip uh, won't be a problem she's been running well over a mile mile, mile two and if it is if the, if the rain does bring the stamina into play uh, over mile two, obviously she's well well versed on that uh, on that score. No, I really liked. I mean, I didn't really I didn't really fancy a great deal um, uh, outside the front two. And Kevin's put up a you know uh, you know put up a star by above the curve as if, as regards this being a stepping stone. No, um, Sportsbook are, be- are best still best price uh, eight to one Rumbles of Thunder, and I really like her as a bit uh, each way bit. Interesting because we know that Paddy Toomey doesn't mind running his fillies against each other as we saw in the Pretty Polly and the Curra already this season. Um, that's an interesting proposition. Rumbles of Thunder for TC. So Dan likes the favourite um, La Petite Coco and didn't have much to do for Kevin is an interesting proposition as well. Onto the 225, it's the Flying Five. Um, generally, it's for export this race. 19 uh, of 13 UK winners out of the last 19 runnings of this year, favourite at 6-4 to four at the moment, Highfield Princess. Um, we saw her in the Primaris de Geese and the Nuntorp. She's just a, an exceptional filly. She really is. Uh, she's your 6-4 to four favourite. Romantic Proposal, who won this last year for Eddie Lynham, 11-2. Munista is a 7-1 to one chance, 8-1 to one in case of you, 9-1 to one Ladies Church, and it's 12 Razzle for the... Um, for the um, clock watchers or the race watchers, whatever horse they're watchers, called, yeah. or the horse watchers, Dan, <laughs> your mates. Um, I mean, this is a horse that you put up before at Royal Ascot TC. Yeah. You looking at, at that again? Yeah, I, I, I bet um, I bet it at uh, nines earlier on in the day. Um, I mean, obviously, it revolves around the favourite, this. And, you know, if you're thinking softer ground might be against her, the soft ground record is actually very, very good. I mean, clearly, you know, clearly she's she's very good, but she's had a fair busy season, and you just wonder whether the elastic's going to snap uh, as it you know as it sometimes does with the sprinters getting towards the end of the season after a relatively long campaign. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of depth to this race. If you are looking to back the favourite around about a seven to four on the exchange, you I mean you've got a lot running for me. Romantic proposal didn't run his race, uh, didn't run the race in the July Cup, but you know, previous to that had really really good form. And Moonesta, as you say, um, a case of view. This is a really normally this race is it sometimes can really cut up quite badly and be a penalty kick for for you know one or two horses maybe, but there's loads of depth to this and I'll probably end I back Moonista like uh, like I said at nines and I might end up just laying Highfield Princess for place I'll probably I'll be willing to go to about one point seven um, you know to, to get that one in the book uh, in the place market but 
Yeah, I mean, if she, if she doesn't, if she runs seven pound below form as you know she could well do here. Uh, then any number of horses could line it up to take her on. So yeah, I'll I'll be laying the probably laying the fab if I can get her in about uh, about eight to eleven. Okay, in the place market that is about one point seven eight to eleven. Kev Highfield Princess brings top form to this TC, looking to take it on the place market. Um, obviously a whole host of horses in here, but generally it's a race that goes to the UK trainers. What do you like? Yeah, Jay's is fiercely competitive, isn't it? They'll be delighted with the field they got for it. Um, Highfield Princess clearly absolutely thriving, um, particularly good last time, um, but look short. And I gave a good mention to Castle Star prior to the to the Haydock Sprint Cup. They didn't run him in the end. Um, very much the right decision, I think, um, given how quick the ground was. They, they've come here. The, the rain has arrived. And he's a very talented horse, this fella. You know, he he he, he arguably could have won a Group One last season, maybe even more than one if things had dropped a little bit differently. Um, doesn't help himself with slow starts, um, but hopefully he's a little bit sharper in that regard here. And the harder to go in front of him, the better. Um, like he he's talented, this fella now. And with the with the rain having come, I could just see him outrunning a, a price of sixteen to one. Um, high draw, I'd say you'd rather be high than low. And yeah, looking forward to seeing how he gets on. Right, interesting uh, fuzzy stacks runner for Kevin. Dan, what do you like in it? I've turned captain obvious here, but I don't. Not, not all group ones are equal. Oh, this feels like a group one and a half to me. And she has got form against the very best sprinter. I mean, she beat Minzel in France. Think what he did in the Haydock Sprint Cup. He's given lumps away. She's given lumps away twenty odd pounds to the Platinum Queen. So we could have a very a very imminent form boost as well if the Platinum Queen goes out and wins uh, the Flying Childers. I, I think you're just guessing me and it, you're just completely hoping that she's going to blow out because there's no evidence on the track that she's coming to the end of a tether. Her form is getting better, if anything. This race last year, if you recall, Romantic Proposal, it was a proper pace collapse, wasn't it? You remember where Rohan... Was it was the race where Rohan, Rohan was like two was years, came from an impossible yeah, position and flew home? Race. Whereas Romantic Proposal, who she travels got into it really well but from the back I'm expecting a similar scenario and I don't know it seems really obvious and maybe it's wood for the trees here but I just not really see her coming off the bridle that much I just think she'll power through the race and she'll just outclass horses that aren't group one performers certainly not in the top group one races oh Barber's lengthening his odds there isn't he <laughs> he's, <Yeah. laughs> he's Highfield Princess and Le Petit Coco double for the Barber boy this is crazy. leave me out the rest I might be picking more fouls <laughs> Okay, well, we'll start with you at the three o'clock, Dan. It's the Moyglare. It's the third race we're going to talk about in the Curra. And uh, Meditate for Ryan Moore is 11 to 10 on at the moment. She's four from four this season. She's won over five, six and seven furlongs. She really looks a really, really smart filly. Having said that, the second favourite, Tahira, um, for Dermot Wells was really impressive when she won her maiden in Galway and his horses hadn't been running particularly well and she was just a real shining light and he immediately nominated the Moigler for her after that race. She's 92 and it's 10 to 1 bar. This really has the feel, although any of these two-year-old fillies can take a step forward, it really has a feel that it's millions bar the top two in the market. But uh, meditate for you, Dan, 11 to 10 on. Um, obviously, yeah. <laughs> there's, your, there's your weekend Trixie side. No, I, I, I don't view this as a betting race. You know, I'm terrible at these two-year-old races, and there's not a great deal between. Oh, I'm interested in Kev's view more than my own. Actually, his view of Thornbrook, who wasn't that far behind, is the hopes that she can reverse. You've got the unknown of Dermot's horse, 
and the right horse series 10 to 11, but I don't think that is a short that would be that interesting. I mean, give me, I mean, obviously the price tells you she's a more likely winner than Highland Princess in theory, but I'd be, I'd be closer to reversing those two in terms of SPs, to be honest. Okay. Um, TC, uh, meditate. She, she has looked a proper filly this year, hasn't she? She's, she's answered every call. Yeah, I, I think it's fully justified quotes of 10 to 11. Uh, if you go and have a look at the uh, the run last time, uh, the form book says she won by three quarters of length, but she was absolutely gagging up by about, I think, I thought she was going to win by about three lengths, about a, a hundred yards out. But if you looked at it, she checks up a, a, quite markedly, loses all momentum and obviously just just not not hung on. But, you know, she, she was, uh, you know, they, they were closing in on her and, and it transpired that, you know, I think Ryan said there was a cameraman quite near the line and it spooked her a bit. So if you go back and have a look at the video, the, the official winning margin of three quarters of length doesn't do her justice whatsoever. Uh, it'd be hard to see anything reversing the form from that race. Uh, clearly, Tonawa's half-sister's, you know, full of, full of promise, but, you know, she's going to have to come on massively for that to be Meditate. I think Meditate is a worthy 10 to 11 shot. Am I going to back her? No, because I don't do stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, uh, from not from, like Dan. A watch and brief for, <laughs> a watch and brief for TC is probably a fair, a fair. Yeah, yeah. Like, go back and if you're going to have a bet in the race, go back and have a look at that meditates win last time because it was quite strange uh, the way she checked up. Yeah, uh, Kev, what what are you making of it? Can you see anything beating the favourite? Actually, look, I've always really liked the 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 Fav to be honest, Bear, but she is very short and like Tahira. Like you made the case there, you know, like she was fierce, impressive at Galway at a time when when Dermawell like couldn't buy a winner. Like he's had a shocking season, but in the last two weeks, it's happening. It's turning around finally, and he's having a heap of winners. You know, and if she could win and do what she did and smash up like a, a good ninety filly by by five or six lengths on debut when the stable was just absolutely rotten. Um, like she could be very good, and uh, as he said himself afterwards, she did what we expected her to do. Uh, it's just you know, she has all the pedigree. Uh, yeah, I would be a bit afraid of her now. I think she could be a real, she could be a real X factor. And uh, um, Dan mentioned Thornbrook. Yeah, like I love that run at the car last time behind Meditate. Um, and uh, as TC says, look at length, finishing within the length of, of the, the winner maybe flatters her a little bit, but she should have finished second for me. I was quite annoyed after the race because I thought Declan McDonough was giving her a lovely, lovely ride, going through the gears, was going to finish second. And the eventual second just veered off a straight line and just checked her momentum just at a vital stage. And she was coming back again at the line. Um, I, I felt she should have been second and look for it's unusual enough for one of Joseph's to win first time out and then that represented a lovely step forward from that winning debut and I'm expecting another step forward again like she'll certainly get a mile but she's a lovely lovely filly and I can see her running well hopefully hitting the frame um, but yeah Tahira is a bit of the has a bit of the X factor about her for me Bar. and if you made me have one it'd be her but uh, a race that I'll be enjoying watching more than getting seriously yeah. involved in Derma Welt at a 38% strike rate in the last 14 days. And he had a winner on the beach yesterday in Laytown as well, just for good order. So we'll move on to the 335. It's the Vincent O'Brien National Stakes. It's a, the group one for the Colts and Geldings. Uh, ASOS Fable is your favourite at four to five for uh, Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore Maraban. 
who was really impressive when he won the uh, vintage in Goodwood for Charlie Fellows is five to one. Hans Anderson is seven to one. Al Riff is in there, Kevin, and it's it's a horse that you've mentioned on the pod before. Beat Salt Lake City, who ran too bad to be true, really, in the convivial in York. But can you see him turn around with Hans Anderson and maybe taking the favourite, giving the favourite a bit of a race here? Well, look, he's been supplemented in. You don't do that uh, for the crack of it. Um Joseph supplemented in Thunder Moon to win this race a couple of years ago. Um, like this fella, I kind of mentioned him a few times there, even, uh, you know, from very early on. And like he, he's always looked a particularly nice horse. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Uh, you know, big opportunity for Dylan, Dylan Brown McMonagall. Um, great for him to keep the ride. And he's a lovely, lovely horse. Um, the question mark would have been supplement here or run over the mile at Leopardstown. Um, like I think he'll he certainly will appreciate a mile, and he's next year's horse, really. Like he's a big boy, he's he's worth seeing. If you're if you're there, go make sure you go have a look at him. Um, he he'd take your eye physically. Um, and yeah, look, I don't I don't think that the softening ground is hundred percent ideal, but it will put that bit more emphasis on stamina, which will suit. So yeah, look, I, I'm you know it'd be difficult to put him up to to go and win, but I'm surprised he's a double figure price. I thought he'd be he'd be a bit closer to to Marban, uh, maybe the third fav, um, but there you go. Okay. I suspect I suspect he'll shorten up. You know, you, I like the fav. He's a lovely horse, but he might be a little bit vulnerable. Um, he just he hit, hit a bit of a flat spot there last time. I thought and got a bit flat footed before asserting late on. And yeah, just uh, looking forward to this one, Barry. He's a horse I'm, I'm very fond of, and yeah, looking forward to seeing how he measures up. Yeah, and he's one of those wooden Bassett uh, Galileo crosses as well that they're kind yeah. of throwing. They're 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 really would like to strike in a good one this time as it, you know his first crop, wouldn't they? So be yeah, well, well, it's, it's his it's this is from one of his his, his other crops. The first his the first the, the first Coolmore crop or kind of currently falls. So we'll be seeing a lot of this cross in the years ahead. But um, he's an early example of it. Yeah, so he, he'll be he'll be of interest for that reason alone. Yeah. Right. Okay. That that will be interesting to see. Aesop's Fable TC was quite weak in the market at one stage, um, before he went on to beat uh, Hans Anderson in the Futurity. Um, the other horse was uh, Hans Anderson was actually shorter down him in the market for quite some time but at all at the off though they became closer in the market but it was interesting he did win the futurity really really impressive at the finish didn't he like say dominant in the line wasn't he so and given that was his first run since april after a setback uh perhaps he did surprise him uh by the manner of the win but very you know very impressive deserve probably deserves the odds on i give us i will give a shout out to marban though um uh, you know, I, I was quite impressed with him at uh, Goodwood. He obviously picked up the Cheshire winner there. Uh, and it was another two and a half lengths back to Mysterious Knight, a uh, good Olfin horse who came out and won a group three at Doville since as well. So, you know, that form has got substance and, and the way Jamie Spence is always going to make those, you know, sneaky two-year-old winners, you know, look good, you know, come in there in the last 50 yards and nothing, Hollowell boy. But yeah, um, this will be the softest ground he's he's raced on. But I had a look at the the dams one on soft ground, so the dam likes soft ground, so that will give you some encouragement if you are worried about you know all the rain. Um, the favourites probably going to take a lot of whack in, but I thought Marban. Uh, I think you can you'll probably get around about the sixes winning on the exchange. Of all that was that was probably fair. 
Okay, Marband for TC. Kevin, looking forward to seeing the favourite, but Alrifa is definitely one to watch out for. Dan, have you an opinion here? Do you want to give this a swerve? No, um, I, I do like Marband. Um, I just wonder, I mean, it's a very professional horse by now, and as Kev said about Aesop's fable, fables, he was really strong at the finish and well on top at the end, but there was a wobble at some point when he first came under pressure and he still looked like he wasn't sure what to do. I, what I liked about Marban mainly was how he sustained that run. I mean, Tony mentions a classic Spencer sort of thing where he delivers them late in pace collapse races, but I'm not really sure that was one. I was impressed that he, he made up the ground he did, got alongside, and then you think, well, maybe Holloway boy, the Cheshire winner, will, will find more. And Marban sustained it to go past him and beat him half a length. thought it was a very professional and a much improved performance as much as anything. It was a massive step up on what he'd done before, so I'm expecting more progress and... He isn't favourite, and I'm tipping him. This is stunning. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I was impressed with him as well in, in that race in uh, Goodwood. And interestingly, Ace of Fables, that wobble that you referred to there, he traded a high of 65 on the Beffer Exchange in running uh, in the Curra that day in the Futurgy. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he trades high again in running or will the punters have learned their lesson uh, last time out. So our fifth and final race we're going to talk about this weekend is the Irish St. Ledger. Uh, it's on a 4.10 on Sunday in the current Kiprios. He's carried all before him this year. He's 8 to 15. He's really, really short. Raise you, who won the Ledger trial, is 9 to 2. It's 9 to 1. Hamish Russ Carberry in there at 11 to 1. Search for a song, a dual winner at a race, six-year-old mare. And the second colours for Moy Glare is a 16 to 1 chance, and it's 20 bar. Uh, Kev. I'll start with you here. Kiprios, can you see anything beating him? Like he, he is a stayer that's going to be here for a long time to come. Yeah, I think he could be a, a, just just have too much for these. Um, he, he's the best there around. He's not the highest rated there around. I'm sure Shan is still rated a bit, fair bit higher than him. But uh, he beat him. He beat Stradivarius. For me, he was taking the mick. He's taking the mick in his last two starts, to be honest, in terms of idling late on, um, particularly so last time. And he's just going to be a hard horse to beat. Um, the, the biggest danger to him would be if, if it got a bit tactical and something could pounce uh, and, and uh, maybe quicken past them before he gets a chance to react. Um, but look, he, he's short enough. Um, Joseph has raised you and he, he'd be the right type now. He'd be the right type to take on Kiprios with because he's a, he's a very strong traveller. He's well capable of quickening. I'm delighted with his draw. I was hoping for a, a low draw just because he, he needs to be covered up and buried and, and relaxed. Um, and look, he, he beat Search for a song well in a race that didn't really, wasn't really going to be his cup of tea, to be honest. You know, small field, didn't get a lot of cover and pace, but went one anyway. Um, so hopefully he gets, he gets well locked up here and can try to pounce. Um, Shane Cross gets on very well with him and he, he know what he'd have to do and maybe he might get, might get one cut at the five and, and we'll see. Look, it might be asking too much for him to go and beat him, but hopefully he'll, he'll make him work. Okay, raise you a five to one each way would be even money's a place, so it'd be a free bet, really. Um, Tony, what do you like in it? Uh, I thought the favourite was going to be very difficult. Uh, mm. The ground, um, obviously it was it was soft ground when he disappointed at Lingfield last year, but he was also earning the first-time cheap pieces there, and he did went on heavy on his debut, so... Maybe clutching at straws if you're looking at the ground and an, uh, an angle to getting beat. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I was away in August. Was it? Is there? Was there been some underlying talk about Kiprios maybe being supplemented for the arc? Did I think I... it was. It was. It was. I don't think they ever mentioned that, yeah. but um, other others were talking about it. 
But yeah, I mean, I, look, the, this step down to a mile six, I don't think it's going to be any problem whatsoever. And um, yeah, I just think he's a very, very good horse. He's a kind of horse, like, like I agree with Kev, he, he has been maybe taking the mick a bit, but when, when Ryan picks him up close home, he really does find. So I, I can't see any of these beating him for all that raise you's the the glaringly obvious um, uh, each way bet against him. Okay, thanks, TC. Russ Carberry, Dan, is an interesting one. She could have ran in the Blanford, but obviously he's two in there, Paddy Toomey. He's decided to come here with her. She's an 11 to 1 chance. She could be a bit of value each way, could she? Well, she's been holding her form really well, hasn't she? We know all about the, the much discussed DQ um, the other week after the weighing in scandal, but she, she then got the black type that she required from finishing second the other day. I think if I don't think anything really can probably beat Kiprios if he's on it on his game. But if he dips two or three, I think the only one who's got the form to get to him is actually Hamish. Now, you're going back a while, but I think back to when he pushed Trushan really close I mean, three years or so ago now. He's had only five starts since. He's clearly been very fragile, but to say he'd been off another six months, um, he won the Ormond around a tricky track. It's only Thunderous and Alunak who he beat. We're not talking top-level staying form, but his record fresh is, is mustard, as it needs to be, because he doesn't because he's so hard to train, it seems. He doesn't when he reaches the track, he's always fresh because he's got absences. But he's been off since May. That doesn't really trouble me. I just rare for Haggis to send a horse like this over to Ireland. And just a feeling for me that this is this is D Day for him. I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw him again if he doesn't do anything. That's interesting because obviously Richard Kink's caught uh, rides it and he rode Brown Panther to win this race for Mike alone back in the day uh, for the Irish St. Ledger and he's 91 from 12 to 1 so be interesting to see if Richard Kingscott could come back to the scene of one of his greatest victories so uh, that's a wrap lads that's us done for the weekend 10 races 5 of them in Doncaster and 5 in the Curra on Sunday uh, all remains is for me to get your naps Dan I'll start with you please can I have um, can I Dutch in that sprint please <laughs> in the Portland you're going to Dutch have... the two in the Portland really yeah Macana and Dusky Lord please Happy days. Okay. TC, what are you looking at? Um, I really do like Rumbles of Thunder, 8-1 to one each way, but I've got to go with New Energy. Um, currently 16 when we're recording this with a sports book. That's the top price. Uh, even if you have to go down to 12s, I think New Energy is a bet. So hopefully Sheila will be celebrating a winner on Sunday. New Energy in the park stakes for TC. And Kevin, what do you like? Dusky Lark, do for me. Win Dusky only. So, so he, if he wins, Dan will just be gutted. Win Windy Barber. I'll be celebrating with you. <laughs> it will feel like a loser for Points in the next day will be cash in the pocket. The three years will be celebrating if Dusky Lord wins. Fingers crossed it does as well. Okay, guys, thanks for that. Uh, have a great weekend, everyone. All that's left for me is to say uh, gamble responsibly. We'll be back and weighed in on Monday when Vanessa's back in the hot seat, along with TC and Kevin. Um, and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. <laughs>